Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 5, Lesson 13. We are going to pick up exactly where we left off on page 14 in Chapter 18. We are looking at the Sermon on the Mount at the moment. And um, I was going to just race through them. I'm, I'm trying to race through them, I really am, because I know we've already done this. Uh, but again, I feel um, because of what we're doing on the Sundays, I'm feeling like this is something important um, to, to look at and take a little bit of time with. So that's the reason why I'm not rushing through, although I'm still trying to rush through them, okay? Because I've got a lot of stuff to get across to you. So I'm, I, I want to pick up <coughs> where we left off in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 was the next thing we were going to look at. Uh, we were coming to the second application of sinning. And remember again, this is all about blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. And I said here, just as we feel remorse for our sins, we must also understand that we are not immune to sin ourselves. It is a fact that we all fall prey to sin from time to time, even though we've been saved for years and should know better. But again, that was what we looked at before. And the second application to Matthew 5, 4 and Luke 6, 21 comes in when we sin against others or God and show deep regret. When we say, what have I done? And I think we stopped there last time. This is what the Apostle Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 7.10, when he writes, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now, we see two things here. We see godly sorrow, we see worldly sorrow. And we need to sort of look at both of them a little bit, because if we get this wrong, we'll, we'll show sorrow like the world, and it doesn't have much benefit to it. it. It is actually destructive. Let me just quickly read this. In his commentary, biblical scholar Simon J. Kistemaker explains, genuine contrition, or godly sorrow, is a turning away from sin and a going toward God. But worldly sorrow is remorse that expresses itself in self-accusation. So I want you to know one is a turning away from sin and going toward God. Amen? And that is a key thing. If you go toward God, then God is the one that's going to talk to you. If you go the other way, then it's self-condemnation, and that's when the devil will start talking to you. That's what the difference is. Yeah? Uh, Peter repented and returned to the apostles and afterward met Jesus. Judas was filled with remorse, but returned to the chief priest who rejected him. Peter was restored and became the head of the apostles. Judas committed suicide and was doomed to destruction. Can I say this as well? You know, we need to be careful where we go to receive our forgiveness. You know, there are some things. So, uh, uh, let me just take just one second, very, very quickly here. So, you know, some people say, well, you know, if if you've done something bad and you have to go back to the person that you committed the sin with, you know, can I just say this? If it's been years and years and years, okay, and they've moved on, and you know, hopefully you've moved on to a degree. Don't go dig things up, because I've seen that happen as well. I've seen people go and apologize for things that somebody else forgot that they did. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, <clears throat> that's why I always say, be led by the Spirit about what you do. Um, you know, I think sometimes what we do is we, we want to apologize to make us feel better, not the situation, you know, and because over time things heal up. And, you know, and uh, the way you approach that as well, you know, you can, you can approach it from the, the point of saying, listen, you know, especially if things have healed up and you've moved forward uh, and you just want to sort of bring closure, you know, okay, to it. You can say, you know, I'm sorry, I know, I was just thinking, 
you know, years ago how this happened and, you know, I'm so sorry that did happen and, you know, I'm just so glad we are where we are now and move on from there. You know, we can do it in a way that is not like, oh, I was thinking this about you and then I thought that about you. And, you know, even though, you know, I, I forgave you for all of that, I have heard apologies like that. That's not an apology, <laughs> okay? That's just stirring the pot and causing problems again. Uh, and you don't want to do stuff like that. So again, you know, we need to be led by the Spirit about what we do when we do it. And even somebody comes, you know, comes into town and preaches an awesome message about you have to forgive everybody and go to everybody and ask. Just check it out with God first. Okay? Some people have had some incredible experiences in their life doing that, but it's not for everyone. Can I say that? Okay. Alright, moving on. That's the reason 2 Corinthians 7.10 says that worldly sorrow does you no good whatsoever because it is a realization of sin without the hope of any real redemption, which leads to death both literally and figuratively, the death of hopes and dreams. However, godly sorrow, says the Apostle Paul, produces repentance. And it is not to be regretted because it always brings redemption and blessing instead of guilt and condemnation. Now I want you to notice something here. Godly sorrow produces repentance. Now, you know, I'm not, we're not talking about uh, the kind of repentance that you had to, um, I, I guess, at the point of salvation. There is a salvation. See, when we, we don't always catch what salvation is because we, we see of salvation as just being saved, you know, from hell. But there is a lot of things that salvation en- encompasses. It's a lot of different things. If I went through, there's about seven different things that it actually does. Um, and it has enormous benefits. And so the thing that we did when we first got saved was, to, was fire insurance. Okay, we, we did get out of going to hell, praise God. That's a really good thing. That's a major thing. We won't ever want to sort of uh, underestimate the importance of that. But at the same time, we need to also understand that throughout our life, there is a salvation that we need, and that is a cleansing. That is that when we do something wrong, we need to go to God. First John 1.9, which we'll get to at some stage. Uh, you know, when we ask God to, as we acknowledge our sin, we receive forgiveness, we receive a cleansing, we are restored because we don't want the devil to have any place in our life. Right. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Then that's the reason why you know, I'm always saying to people, if you sin, acknowledge it and get over it. Don't sit there and wallow in it. That's, right. that's the difference. Do you understand? Worldly sorrow sits and wallows. Hey, that actually rhymes. Okay? <laughs> but godly sorrow repents and gets on with it. Okay? And we're going to see some of that today as well. <clears throat> okay. Accordingly, Simon J. Kistemacher says about Second Corinthians 7.10 that the Corinthians had chosen life by repenting and turning to God. They received sal- uh, salvation full and free and were completely restored in their relationship to God. Amen? Even in the case of the Apostle Paul, not only did he know that it was what it was like to be treated badly, being beaten and imprisoned, in Acts 16, those verses, 22 through 25, but also what it was like to be the one responsible for someone else's pain and suffering, such as the stoning of Stephen. Remember again, we're talking about what happens when we do something wrong. Uh, this is found in Acts chapter 7, in verses 54 through 58. And it says that when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed um, at him with their teeth. But he, this is, by the way, this is Stephen. He finished preaching, and he just really let, them, let it rip, you know. He told them they were the one responsible for 
the Son of God basically dying, okay? Their Messiah being crucified and they did it, okay? So, so this, this is not a good response now. They're not happy. Uh, it says in verse 25, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, verse 56, and said, Look, I see heaven, the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, can you believe this? And ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. So there he is. Okay. <clears throat> this is why nobody wanted to trust him, and he said, oh, I'm saved. <laughs> they said, yeah, yeah, we know about you. Okay. <laughs> All right, so this was the way that uh, they indicated that it was he who was behind the stoning of Stephen, and why it goes in the saying, Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then, then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, once again, I want you to notice something of real significance here, that every time that you are persecuted, Jesus is being persecuted. Don't ever go to him and say, Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. <laughs> okay? He just went through it. Hello. Amen? All right. And I want you to also notice <clears throat> um, something very interesting here. We know, following this experience and his extraordinary conversion, the Apostle Paul must have realized what he had done. And felt deep regret over it. Especially for the wrongful murder of Stephen. And it was a murder, by the way, because he was innocent. Amen? And why he says to Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is the faithful saying, and worthy of, of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am, chi I am chief. See, I think that is a real key thing. Because, because he was in a position where he could understand he wasn't saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about, okay? <laughs> I've never done anything wrong in my life. Notice that he looks at himself as a person that did something so bad that he calls himself the chief of all sinners. And I think that is a real key for the person that is going to then write in Philippians 3.13. And why he writes, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. See, we need to understand that the things that he's forgetting are not just all his accomplishments, because he does talk about that as well, all right, at one point in time, because they, pe people are sort of, in fact, it's in, in Philippians, he talks about it, when they were sort of saying, oh, I'm this and I'm that, he said, well, I can do much better, <laughs> okay? Good as you think you are, I'm, I'm so much better in that respect. But at the same time, I want you to also remember that this is what he did. He actually murdered someone, you know, and so, you know, you're carrying around all of this, and see, that's something else that will add, you know, the more you say you are all that, can I put that in, in quotes, okay? The worse it is when you fall. The worse it is when you do something bad. You know, just like, <clears throat> just like Peter, who said to Jesus, you know, after he said, you're all going to betray me, he said, I know all of them will betray you. I won't betray you. And so that's what made his sin worse. When he betrayed Jesus, and you remember that what Jesus had said, when the, when the cock crows, you would have denied me three times. Uh, that was, that was, it was so painful because of what Peter had said. Because he went and shot his mouth off. 
Had he said, you know, we're all, you know, Lord, we all have problems, and you know, okay, I may not, and I'm sorry in advance if I do. That would have gone so much better for him, rather than saying, well, I know what they're like, but I won't do that. You know what I'm trying to, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? So again, you know, we need to be careful. These are lessons to learn, and we need to be careful how we approach situations. Amen? Don't make things worse for yourself. <clears throat> and that's what the devil does. That's, that's the pride card. He always plays it. Don't get caught up in it. Amen? I've said here, this, is, this was something that the Apostle Paul had to live with and had to be careful not to let it get in the way of what he had been called to do by God. And that's why he said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through and 14, that I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It is something that we need to learn to do is two things. It's not just forgetting our past, so to speak, okay, and the things that are holding us back, but also learning how to push forward. You know, a lot of people are just trying to get over their past without pushing forward. And can I say this? That's a bad thing because you tend to look back. If as long as you have something to look forward to, then you'll be more willing to leave things behind. But if there's nothing to look forward to, uh, no matter how much you try, you keep going back. Because there's nothing to look forward to. When you're not looking forward, guess what happens? You start to look back. You need to look somewhere. Amen? And he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice the press means he has to make a real effort. Amen? And I want you to also understand something here very quickly is that, you know, some people say, well, if I decide to do godly things, then everything will work out. <laughs> Not on this planet, okay? Because we are living in a fallen world. And yes, that should be what happens. It should be. And God, I wish it was. That when you said, all right, I'm going to do stuff for God, and everything just works out. Okay? I mean, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? But not here, all right? This planet make God messed up, and when we... When you say something like that, you're making a declaration of war almost. But understand there's more with us than against us. And we need to understand that we need to press. We can't just sit back and go, well, you know, I, I said I was going to do this right now. You know, you think that God would get on my side and He'd help me get it all done and everything would be roses and, and you know, fairy tales and everything. No, no, no. That's why the Apostle Paul said, listen, once you decide to do the right thing, put on armor. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because you're in for it. But you will win. But you're in for a fight. And you need to be ready to fight. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's move. Let's continue. In the case of King David, following his adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the indirect murder of her husband Uriah. Do you all remember what he did? Yeah, sent his death orders in his own hands, man, back to the front lines. And um, he actually goes a step further in his regret and acknowledgement of sin and actually says in Psalm 51 and verse 4, he says, Against you, talking about God, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. One of the things, now remember again, this is after, after the loss of his child and a whole lot of stuff that happened. You know, a lot of people say, well, God is testing and trying me. No, check and see, you might have done something. To, because whatever you sow, you reap. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So you go do something wrong, and there's going to come some kind of fruit from that. You know, that's why I always you know, say to people, if you did something bad, come to me, we'll pray for a crop failure. 
<laughs> okay? Some things we don't want bearing fruit. Amen. <laughs> Amen? Okay, and uh, one of the things I think that is really key here is that David understood that his sin at the end of the day was against God alone. I think that is a real key thing. The reason is this, regardless of how much you hurt people, you need to understand that there is a judge that sits over all of this. That's what 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 talks about, that we have an advocate. You know, we have a defense counsel, Jesus Christ, thank God. Because there is a judge. Amen? And so we need to understand that we need to ask Him for forgiveness first and foremost. Whenever we sin, that's, a, that's again the reason why... At right at the point of sin, you just need to be able to, you know, you need to know to go to God and say, God, forgive me. No matter who else you hurt, there is, that's the first thing you do. Then go from there. Amen? Uh, and, I, and I think one of the things that David understood was that his primary sin was against God. Why he says, you know, basically says only you have, I mean, he sinned against a lot of, he sinned against the whole nation by what he did. Okay, a lot of bad things started happening in, in his family and so on, which I don't have time to go into. But the thing was that it all began with God needing to forgive him. It all needed to start there. And then everything else. And once God forgives you, then God will get involved in your circumstances and God will start to fix them to, oh, as much as he can. Okay? Um, I've said, you know, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to sin and forgiveness and the resulting consequences. Some people think that when you ask God to forgive you of your sin, every aspect of it is wiped clean and every penalty, physically and spiritually, is, re- is eradicated. But sadly, that's not true. When we ask God to forgive us, what we need to understand is that although God does forgive us and take away our sin and its ultimate penalty, which is spiritual death, it doesn't mean that we are automatically free from all the consequences of our actions. And we need to know this. If you remember in the case of King David, we know that he and Bathsheba still lost their child and ultimately caused even the kingdom to be torn apart, suffering great loss. So what we understand is that although forgiveness restores us spiritually before God, it however does not pardon us of the responsibility for the consequences of our sinful acts. That's the reason why Proverbs 13.15 says, The way of the transgressor is hard. So what, what you need to understand is, you know, if you go steal something, they catch you in camera. <laughs> okay, can we just, okay. Alright, you can ask God to forgive you for that, but they still caught you on camera. You still stole something. You know what I'm trying to say? So some recompense needs to come from that. The, the law will make sure that, because somebody has still got, some, you know, you've still stolen from someone. Somebody has to go without something. Are you all with me? And, you know, for all of us that got robbed, we want it all back, don't we? I'm just saying, you know, it, something may be sentimental. It may not just be, you know, things can pay for insurance, but there are some things that insurance can't replace. Are you all with me? Amen. And so, and that's the reason why, and we need to know that as well, that, you know, there is a penalty, you know, for if you do something wrong. That's why we don't do things wrong. I try not to, okay? Uh, because we don't want to get caught up in that. And we, you know, anyway, without going into too much more detail, this is something that we need to understand that there, there, unless you do something, and I've said this here, the only sins without penalty are the sins of the thoughts and imaginations that either haven't been acted on or which the action was co- confined to yourself and for which you have repented and asked God's forgiveness. Okay? But, I've said, however, everything else that involves someone else in any way or form 
will have consequences, whether great or small. The Apostle Paul was extremely clear when he said in Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Amen? And that works. That works for good and bad. Okay? That's why Pastor Vedi wrote the song, and the words say, Whether good or bad or evil, you will reap what you sow. <laughs> okay? All right. Now, when we do sin, we need to do as David did. Um, is that all right if I just continue on? Is, is that okay? Because I really want to get through this quickly. Uh, we need to do as David did and ask God to forgive us. But unlike David, who wanted, excuse me, who waited almost a year to do it, we need to do it immediately. And the best place to go is First John one nine that promises us that if we confess or literally, literally acknowledge our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you are ever concerned about something that you may have said or done that you may not have realized was bad, remember that Jesus said in John 16 and 13 that when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. You know, one of the things that that tells us also is that you know, whenever we do something wrong, we don't realize it. God will bring it to your remembrance. God will let you know. Remember when that happened and that person looked down when you said this, this is why. I don't know how many times that has happened to me where I might have said something or I've just suddenly just reflected back on something and I think, oh my gosh, what a, you know, dope. I was going to say something else. Uh, you know, I, that I didn't, because you don't, sometimes you don't take into account everything that is going on in people's lives. You know, sometimes we're just talking so much that we forget what's happening in someone else's life and we say something that is very inappropriate. To somebody else it would have been fine, to that person it's not. And, you know, those are the times when you know, I just feel like, you know, God will let you know. And, you know, again, at those times, first thing, sorry, Lord. Second thing, be led. <laughs> okay? What you say next. Amen. And regardless of how much mourning, grieving, or weeping may be involved, when God is watching over us, Psalm 30 and verse 5 promises us, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So with all this in mind, we can now better understand why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 4 again, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And why uh, Luke, in Luke's account, Jesus says there, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh or have joy. That's the same thing, alright? Okay, let's move on. Let's go on to the meek. I pray that you get something out of this, because once again, these are some key things in our life. You know, these are things that we are, I think, dealing with all the time, every day. Um, and that's why, I, as much as I want to rush through them, I also want to bring them you know, to your attention and to your remembrance as well. All right. <clears throat> so we come now to the third beatitude, which is unique to Matthew. has no parallel in Luke, where Jesus says again, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the physical earth. Okay? When it says when they shall inherit the earth, it means the physical earth. This is a very powerful thing. We need to understand that it is the meek... And, you know, again, you know, I, I, I pray that you remember a lot of what was said here, but let's just go through it very quickly. All right? Remember, again, the meek are not people that are weak. These are not people that, you know, kind of tuck their tail between their legs and walk off at every situation. This, that's not what meek is. Okay? That's cowardly. <laughs> okay? Meek is something totally different. You can be the most powerful person in the world, physically, mentally, spiritually, and be meek. In fact, that's probably how you got there. Because it is the meek that are willing to admit to themselves that they don't know everything. That they don't have everything. That there's always something more. 
They are the ones that are always looking to learn something new. They are the ones that are always looking to better themselves. This is a real key thing because we've, we've talked about, you know, we've gone from the first beatitude of understanding that without God we're nothing to the second beatitude of, okay, we're not perfect. All right? There, there are things that, you know, people we've hurt and also now we're in a position that we can get hurt as well because we are becoming soft. But this softness leads to this now. This, this attitude and this softness leads to the place where we now become sensitive to God. And God can start to talk to us. And one of the things that God does, see, God doesn't condemn you. God is always looking to lift you up. God is, was waiting for the longest time for you to get to that place where He can say, let me show you what I had planned for you. And at that point in time, you need to be the person that says, show me God. And not say, well, you know, it, it's a great honor for you, God, to have me in your kingdom. Okay? <laughs> Don't ever go that direction, which I know none of you do. But there are some people that actually do that. They really think it was you know, a blessing for God that they came in the kingdom. Hello. Okay, listen man. If you came in, you better thank God because you, you, you just changed your destiny from eternity in hell to eternity in heaven. It was going to be a very bad, long, long time for you. Okay, it was going to be something that was just going to be horrific. So, we get to the place now where we've, we're sensitive to God. We have a soft heart before God and God is now starting to talk to us. And he's going to start encouraging us and talking to us about the plans that he had for us. And that will include you learning some new things. Can I say that? You never stop being a student. Amen. You know, we need to be people that are continually learning. And you know, it, it goes, the saying is true for, this, you know, for everything, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever. Whatever you don't use, you know, whatever you... Uh, neglect in your life, in, in time you'll lose it. I think the short saying is, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Kind of a thing. You know what I'm trying to say? And that is a key thing. And people think that, you know, once you finish school, that's it. You don't need to use that, you know, need to study anymore. You don't need to learn anything new. Don't ever get there. Because what happens is your brain will start to shut down. If you don't do anything creative, if you don't do anything, you know, new with it, it will start to shut down. And I think a lot of times that the people that are uh, suffering today, you know, sort of uh, the elderly that sort of have that, that sort of issue, is because they're not using their minds. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about any, you know, dimensions, you know, things like, things that, again, you know, that come on you, and I'm not talking about things like that. <clears throat> but I know a lot of people that, you know, they just get to the place, I, I say it playfully, you know. You know, when, when I do something uh, that, you know, I just say, oh, well, that's the old age sort of thing. But I do it playfully. Do you know why, why I can do it playfully? Because I'm studying all the time. Because I'm learning all the time. Because I'm growing all the time. I'm always learning something new and pushing towards what God has called us to do. That's the thing with life in God. It never stops, okay? God doesn't say, well, congratulations, you made it to retirement age. There's no such thing. Okay, with God... You know, as soon as you think, okay, I'm done with this. What? Can I rest now? He goes, from what? This, there's this now. Let's move on. And when you, when you start to complain that you're tired, he goes, be strong in me and the power of my might. You know, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Okay. 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 Yeah. He, you know, he's that sort of a God. Praise God. And you know, the body of Christ should be the most active bunch of people on the planet. Because God never stops leading and guiding. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, let's conclude here. <laughs> you all know what's com coming, right? Uh, let's conclude for the moment, and we'll come back and pick this up in the next session. Have a break.